For many years, Lynn Humdee was a high-flying civil servant. As Lynn Shepherd, she spent many years overseas, representing either the UK or the EU. But, much to her colleague's surprise, she decided to resign and return here to live with her family. But after a while, she once again wanted to expand her horizons and she went to live in Morocco. When she returned, she came with her husband. The birth of her son five years ago made her think about the world of work and how, for women in particular, the priorities of the workplace were out of kilter. That's where the idea for making work work came from. I had him in my 40s, so I'd had a lot of work experience before I became a mum, and I realised that it was hard to make work work after a career break, after I'd left a very stable career in the civil service, and I started to realise that there were other people for whom work wasn't working, not just mums, but also people who, for whatever reason, might need to take a career break, or anybody for whom the nine-to-five, Monday-to-Friday pattern just doesn't fit. And so by making work work, I really mean a work-life blend that enables people to have fulfilling work that fits around all the other commitments that they may have, commitments such as family, but also the enjoyment of life that enables people to have the time they need to focus on their own well-being or their own interests. But you got the backing of the Scottish Government for this? At the start of this year, with an Edinburgh-based social enterprise called Challenges Catalyst, I was able to run a training programme called Making Work Work for Women Returners. And we worked with a cohort of 16 women who had had a career break for all kinds of different reasons. Around three quarters of them were mums, although their maternity leave wasn't necessarily the most recent reason for their career break. We provided a training programme of skills refresher content which is provided on behalf of the Chartered Management Institute alongside other activities designed to help build their confidence and networks so training on CVs and interview techniques, training around working with purpose, working in a way that's aligned with one's values and also a masterclass on flexible working and although the women at the start were not all clear on what flexible working was or how it might be beneficial to them or future employers. By the end, 15 out of 16 women were looking for flexibility in where they worked or when they worked. And we've had some great feedback. They often said that they hadn't realised that they could be more proactive in choosing the kind of work that they did, that interviews weren't just a situation where they were being grilled about their skills or abilities, but could also be an opportunity for them to grill the employer. And a number of the women are now looking at setting up their own projects and businesses At least one of the women has now got a job back in the sector from which she had been made redundant more than two years ago. And all of them reported an increase in confidence. And the programme was funded by the Scottish Government Women Returners Fund, which we hope will continue. The main aim of that is to try and tackle the gender pay gap. So we were specifically targeting women with five years management experience because we believe that they will be going back into the workplace with the leadership potential and the information they need to really make change in their workplaces. 
One of the problems, though, for somebody who's been out of the workplace for any length of time, and that's not just to do with women, it's to do with men as well, is that technology is changing at such a fast pace that you can very quickly get left behind. Yes, that's absolutely right. And we certainly found that with many of the women on the programme, especially for those who'd been out of work for a long time, they had missed the opportunities that those of us who have been in work have to learn on the job when it comes to technology. So, for example, we delivered the training on Zoom and we used Teams as a means to store information and communicate among the cohort and with the staff. One of the women had told us that through a year of lockdown she had never used Zoom. Many of the women were used to using Teams for their children's homeschooling, but they hadn't thought about how they might use it for themselves. So if we were to run the programme again, I think we might think about almost a, a digital skills audit up front. But what I found was, for the large part, it was about confidence rather than ability. And once the women realised that even we as the delivery team were learning as we go we were finding new apps to integrate with zoom or finding different widgets to plug into different things they realized that they weren't alone almost that that we were also learning as we go since the start of this year she's also been working on creating a new platform in which people can explore ways to bring their knowledge and expertise together and share, or rather weave together, business and other ideas, thus the name, The Talent Loom. I'm using that metaphor because for me it's about weaving work into life, rather than this idea of a work-life balance on two sides of a scale, where if life goes up then work goes down. I I just don't think that's a very healthy metaphor. And so The Talent Loom at the moment is just a brand, but my vision for it is that it will become a platform for collaboration. If there's one thing I've learned during lockdown, it's that I enjoy working with people and uh, not on my own. So the first project for me in my sort of talent loom capacity was the Making Work Work for Women Returners programme. And the second project is a Facebook community called Flexible Working Scotland. And that is a Facebook group for anybody who seeks to work flexibly, to employ flexibly, or to advocate for more flexibility in the workplace. And I I think you were really surprised by just how quickly people joined that. I was, yeah, within a week of launching it. We only launched it just after the Easter school holidays. We had 100 members, and we haven't really done much promotion of it. I'm working with a friend and colleague who is an expert in both recruitment and social media. So we've got lots of ideas to grow it, but we want to grow it organically. We're in a real moment because because of the pandemic and because most office-based roles which continued during the pandemic were performed remotely, it's given people a glimpse into the opportunities for the worker and for the employer and for their family lives of more flexible working and the possibilities of remote working. So that idea of flexibility around where you work and when you work. And I think we just need to capture some of the positives out of the pandemic and make sure that some of the stuff that works sticks. Although I completely recognise that Not everybody's pandemic working experience has been a positive one, unfortunately. But on the other hand, 
what you're suggesting is that people don't actually have to spend five days a week working sometimes seven o'clock in the morning till seven o'clock at night, but there are other ways of doing things. Absolutely. And I think what the pandemic has done is it has forced managers, some of them I imagine more reluctantly than others, to manage staff they can't see. And I think that's going to start to undermine some of the presenteeism that we've seen in the past. Everybody works differently. And so for some people, working 100% at home isn't going to suit them. I mentioned that I don't particularly like working on my own. And that social aspect is really important to a lot of people and that collaborative aspect. For some people, the nine to five absolutely works. But for people who perhaps have to do the school run, have to care for an elderly relative, perhaps they have a health problem that means that doing an eight hour day just doesn't really get the best out of them in terms of their productivity, then we're starting to see a lot of different ways to manage our working lives. And it will present challenges because... One of the things I hear often following the, the experience of the pandemic is the difficulty of setting boundaries between work life and home life when you're perhaps working on your laptop in the kitchen or for younger workers perhaps in their bedroom in a shared flat. It's not universally rosy. It will present challenges, but I think it's going to enable a lot of people to engage in office-based work for whom previously that just wasn't an option because they couldn't or didn't want to commute into an office. So going back to the talent loom, mm -hmm. are you already seeing people beginning to have ideas about how they can actually collaborate? Yeah, so I'm speaking to some of the partners that were involved with Making Work Work. So part of the structure of the Making Work Work programme was that we had masterclasses and workshops which were provided by external experts. So I'm speaking to some of them about how we might collaborate in the future. I'm also exploring what kind of structure I give to the talent loom. So I'm very clear that it has a social purpose and I'm exploring how I might encapsulate that in this kind of legal structure of the talent loom. So turning it into a social enterprise. For example, yeah. You mentioned briefly that you don't terribly like working from home, even though you've done it yourself for several years now. So could you, for example, take advantage of something like Triporty to give you the community involvement while still retaining your own independence? Yeah, I'm a big advocate of co-working spaces and some of my ideas around the Talent Loom were actually incubated on Tribe Porty's Tribe Women programme a couple of years ago. Although I haven't had a regular desk there, I really like the space. Part of the challenge for me is it's at the bottom of my street, so it's hard to justify paying for an office that's uh, literally 10 metres away, <laughs> maybe a little bit more. I really think that the co-working ethos is really beneficial and I see a lot more people, particularly women, who can't make work work by another means, becoming self-employed. And so I think there's a real role for co-working spaces in bringing those people together and enabling the collaboration. But I also think that post-pandemic we'll see an emergence of co-working spaces that are almost corporate co-working. Some of the big organisations as they seek to downsize the size of their headquarters and offices, they might be investing some of that money in co-working hubs for their workers outside of city centres or outside of business parks like the Guile. 
As we heard in the recent election, governments are all too well aware of the work needed to repair the economy. But Lynn Hamdi is certain that we simply cannot just go back to the same old. We need an economy which supports and enriches all parts of society, cares for the environment and seeks out new and innovative ways of working, making work work for everybody.